0: All right, well, welcome back to our series we've been doing called Faces of Hope. And uh, for the last several weeks, we've been walking through uh, stories of the Gospels of people who encounter Jesus and the incredible hope that he brought um, to them. And I want to welcome today, I want to welcome our online audience. Forgot to do that earlier. Glad that you're joining us too uh, from wherever you are in the world today and hope your resurrection morning is off to a great start. And my prayer today is that we would open our hearts and minds to what God wants to do because of all of the hope that we've talked about thus far, nothing can to what we're going to talk about today, and that is miraculous hope. Look at me. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And if you believe that, then you believe that he can do in our hearts and lives the same kinds of miracles that he has done before. And uh, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about the fact that uh, he can do incredible, incredible things. One of, one of my favorite stories. Uh, some of you may have heard about the uh, the guy who was uh, over in the Holy Land with his wife and his mother in law, and uh, they were doing a tour around. And uh, suddenly, and very unexpectedly, in the middle of this tour, the mother in law, uh, the guy's mother in law, uh, dies very suddenly. And uh, they had rushed her to the hospital, they got there, she was gone, and they took her body to the undertaker, and now they're in a discussion, so what do we do? And when they got to where the, the undertaker was, and they began to have this conversation, he said, well, you know, if you, if you want to just go ahead and bury her here, um, you know, we can, it's, it's very expensive, we can do that for about $500, but if you want to ship her body home to do the burial there, it's going to cost you about $5,000. And uh, the son-in-law, without even hesitating, said, we'll ship her home and his wife looked at him like you know that is so nice that you would want to spend that money and she got all emotional and she hugs and sheds a few tears and she excuses herself to the restroom and the undertaker turns to the young man and he said you know that's really a, a very kind gesture but you know that's an awful lot of expense we've got really nice places here and we can do a really nice uh, funeral for 500 dollars are you sure you wouldn't want to do this instead and the young man looks over his shoulder and turns back to the undertaker he said you know what 2000 years ago you guys buried someone here in the holy land and three days later he came back to life and i'm not taking that chance <laughs> my apologies to all mother-in-laws today we're gonna tell. did you know that before jesus rose from the dead that he resurrected three other people himself You know what's interesting when we focus on this day and it is a great day to celebrate about uh, the resurrection is sometimes we forget the the resurrection of Christ wasn't just about Jesus showing what he could do. It was about showing what he could do for us. Three different times in the Gospels we record stories of Jesus raising someone else from the dead. It shouldn't have been a surprise if he could raise other people from the dead that he could do that for himself. And today I want to talk about one of those stories because I want you to see how this miraculous hope is for you and how you can, you can open your heart and mind to it. I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture um, in Luke chapter 8 about a story of a man named Jairus. Here we go. You ready? Track along with me. It says, Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, and when he said phrase only daughter, uh, and actually that means his only child, she was a daughter, but his only daughter, his only child, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, um, and she had, had suffered uh, for 12 years constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. And coming up from behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the women realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble, and she fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain, um, heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, uh, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus heard what had happened, and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew that she had died. And Jesus took her by the hand, and he said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up, and Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Now, when I was reading this story again this last week and I was just processing um, all of the, the messages that come to us and all the, the wonderful lessons that we can learn from this, I zeroed in on, on just three because I wanted this to be a sermon and not a seminar today. But I, I zeroed in on, on three thoughts that I want to give you today if you have the need for for a miraculous hope in your life. It may be for yourself, maybe for your home or your family, maybe for your marriage, it may be for, for physical healing, it may be for something financial, it may be for something uh, relational, it may be for someone that you know that you're close to who is facing some really, really tough stuff and you've been praying and saying, God, I need to believe that you can do something here. Um, this message is for you. And here's a couple of thoughts from this story that might help you on the journey. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first thought I want to give you out of this story. Don't panic when God is not in a hurry. Don't panic when God is not in a hurry. When I was reading this story, one of, the, one of the first things that jumped out at me was how this guy comes to Jesus, and he explains from the very beginning the urgent need that he had. Teacher, I need you to come with me. My daughter's dying. And they no sooner, you know, start off, uh, and there's a huge crowd, and they're trying to make their way through the crowd. And again, Jairus is wanting, you know, we've got to get there. We've got we to get there. He's trying to move Jesus through this crowd, and some woman touches him. And Jesus stops. Now, just think with me. If you're Jairus and your daughter's dying, what's going through your head? Dude, you know, what's going on? And Jesus stops and he turns around, he looks at this crowd, he goes, who touched me? And it's like, what? Who touched me? And, he, and, he, and he's having this conversation. And you can just imagine this whole time that Jesus is having this conversation and talking to this woman who had another need. Jairus is just going crazy, going, Lord, we got to hurry, we got to hurry, we got to hurry. Have you ever been there like that? Yeah, you know, one of the things I realized when I, was, when I was reading this is how we are always in a hurry and God never is. God just never is. Um, in fact, I saw this. I saw this picture. I thought this was cute. Maybe you can identify with this. Lord, give me patience, but hurry. <laughs> give me patience, but hurry. You know, and that's how we are. And, and I know for some of us, you know, as we've been we've been talking about, you know, this need that we have and this miraculous hope that, that is there that we, we've got to grab hold of, and, and we think that God has to get there, and He has to get there now. Look at me. God knows what he's doing. Jesus knew what he was up to before they ever took one step toward where that little girl was at. And he knows the same with you. And Jesus has a pattern of this. I thought it was interesting that I read it. I flashed you back to um, John chapter 11. It was the story of Jesus's good friend, Lazarus. You remember that story? Um, Jesus gets word from Martha and Mary that his, their brother Lazarus was was deathly ill. And uh, so after he gets the message, the passage of Scripture from John 11, verses 5 and 6, and it says, uh, read it out loud with me. This is good stuff. And so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And again, you can imagine, these, this is a family that Jesus was close to. He was good friends with these people. And yet he, he's not showing up and you can just look, you know, see what Mary and Martha are going through. Jesus just wasn't in a hurry. Why? Because he knew what he was going to do. Look at me, you gotta get this. Jesus knows what you don't know. And he understands what is best. And God is not in a hurry, but can I tell you something? His timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. I had a man um, a couple years ago that contacted me from cross-country, and uh, he was uh, dealing with some real challenges on his job. And he, he called me, and he said, Pastor Steve, he said, would you pray with me? He said, I'm just, I'm really dealing with this stuff. I don't know what to do. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm really just kind of at odds. And I, I, I prayed with him, and we prayed for God to intervene. And, and uh, so about two days later, he sends me a message on Facebook. He said, thanks for your prayer. They fired me today. <laughs> Like well, I've got the gift of you know defiring, I guess. I don't know, you know. So we we and we we messaged back and forth, and he said, you know, why would God allow this to happen? He said, I don't understand, and I said, you know what? I don't either. But I'm gonna not. I'm not going I'm gonna tell you something. The Trinity is not a quartet. I'm not a part of this thing. But God knows what he's doing. And we messaged back and forth for, for probably three months. And he, did, he would message and he said, you know, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. Here's where I put my application in. I don't know what I'm going to do. If God doesn't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'll never forget the day I got the message from him on Facebook. He said, Pastor Steve, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like smiling going, try me. And he said, I got a job today, he said, and I landed my dream job. I landed the job that I'd always wanted. He said, it's not only the kind of work I want to do and in the environment that I want to do. It, and he said, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. Can you believe that? I said, yeah, I can. Why? Because our God is an awesome God. Now look at me, I hear my heart. I know you get tired of waiting, so do I. I know it seems like, you know, God needs to move faster and I'm not sure why he doesn't, but I know that God's timing really is perfect for us. You know, what's interesting is even in times when Jairus and Mary and Martha and others have given up and saying, you know, if you like Mary and Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, you know, this wouldn't happen. And what Jesus went, I'm not late. You have no idea what I can do. Look at me. Let me just say it one more time. Don't get in a panic when God is not in a hurry. Amen? I love the passage of Scripture, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Would you read this out loud with me? He does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he is doing. Have you figured that out yet? You bet. Let me give you another another point in this story that I think is really important for us to keep in, in mind. Don't let fear steal your faith. Don't let fear steal your faith. Fear is the antithesis of faith. And when you go back to the story, do you remember what happened? Jesus takes time for this woman, and after he heals her and she walks away, about the time he finishes with that, the guy comes from Jairus' house and says, Master, don't bother him anymore. What happened? The girl is dead. The girl is dead. It's too late. Let's just stop right here. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? It's on your outline. Look at the verse. Read it with me. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Read it again. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Now, fear comes at all of us, doesn't it? Fear comes at all of us. I don't care who you are, don't care how long you walk with God, don't care how big and strong and all that you are, fear faces us all. In fact, I, I think this was so funny. Some of you may have seen this last week. You know, many of you know that, if, who know me, know that I'm a basketball fan, that I'm a huge Oklahoma City Thunder fan. And you gotta, you got to love these professional athletes. I mean, these guys are just monsters. I mean, they're, they're, they're the man's man, you know what I'm saying? These guys are big, they're strong, they're athletic, they're fast, all, all of this kind of But I thought this was absolutely telling and hilarious. I don't care who you are, how strong you are, everybody's afraid of something. I don't know if you saw last week they were talking about the Thunder players were getting their vaccinations the COVID vaccinations. And they had a picture of this. This was an ESPN. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is the guy sitting down. That's Shea Gilgus Alexander, the star of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 6'6", 200 some pounds. This guy's gonna be an all-star. He's an incredible player, incredible athlete. This guy charges right at seven foot, guys. Jumps up in the air, bends, contorts. He gets his body knocked to the ground. But you'll notice in the picture, he's getting his COVID shot. Lou Dort is holding his hand. Did you notice that? Lou Dort's holding his, holding his hand, and they were, they were laughing about it at ESPN. He said, it may, have, it may have been a joke, but I thought, you know what? I know enough people who get shots. They, how many of you don't like to get shots? How many of you don't mind if somebody holds your hand while you get a shot? Yeah, yeah. And neither does Shea Gilgus Alexander. Fear comes at all of us, and this is the deal. Sometimes when we are praying for God to move in our life, and we're asking God for this miracle that, you know, we're all, and when something, when we get news that makes it go from bad to worse, it's really easy for fear to set in, and for us to get that message, just like Jairus does, you know what, you might as well give up, you might as well quit, you might as well not bother the teacher, stop praying, stop trying, you know what, it's over, but don't you dare let fear steal your faith. I love the passage of Scripture from Isaiah 41, verse 10. Read it out loud with me. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. What an incredible word of promise. I was thinking about, so how do, we, how do we hold on to faith? You say, well, Pastor Steve, that's great. Don't let fear steal it. But how, how do I hold on to my faith when that fear begins to set in? I, I want to give you three places or three ways that you can, you can anchor your faith in those times of fear. You ready? Three, three ways that you can do that. Three places you can do that. One, anchor your faith in who God is. Anchor your faith in who God is. Now, we don't know how much Jairus did or did not know about Jesus. Uh, He may have believed him to be uh, a rabbi, uh, a good teacher. He may have believed him to at least be someone that has been noted that he's done some miracles before and maybe God listens to him. We don't know exactly who he, he thought Jesus was, but here's what we know. Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus was there at the creation of all that we know. Jesus was there at the beginning. When, and when, when, every once in a while when fear comes in and we begin to think, you know, I, I don't know that this can change. I don't know that this can happen. I'm, I'm not sure if anything's ever going to be any different. We've got to stop thinking about what the situation is. And we've got to start thinking about who God is. If God created the heavens and the earth, don't you think he can probably handle what you're dealing with today? Do you remember? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who out of nothing created everything. I'm imagining he can work in your situation today, too. You know, once I saw this quote a couple of times, and some of you may have seen it. It says, you know what? Don't tell God about your fear. Tell your fear about your God. It's probably a better way to go. Anchor your faith on who God is. Can I give you a second one? Anchor your faith on what God has done. Anchor your faith on what God has done. Um, Again, I just, in this story, when I was reading, I thought as this guy came up and tells Jairus, you know, your daughter is dead, here's the thought. Jairus just saw what Jesus could do. I mean, Jairus just saw a, a woman who had had this bleeding for 12 years, who had been healed, he, he saw that, right? And, and as this guy's telling him, you know, don't bother the teacher anymore, Jairus already has a frame of reference. When I thought about that, I thought, how important is that to us? Come on, some of us have walked with God or been at least been around the things of God for a long, long time. Has God ever done a miracle in your life before? If you're not hesitant to admit that, hold your hand up and say, yes, I've seen God do miracles in my life. Yeah, yeah. And if you've done that, think this thought with me. When fear comes, man, anchor your faith on what you've seen God do before. I always loved the story of David, man, when he, when he faced Goliath. You remember that? And he tells Saul, you know, here's this David, this scrawny little guy, you know, kind of ruggedly built, you know, been a shepherd, and he's standing around all these soldiers, and they're trying to find somebody brave enough to go out and fight Goliath, and David's like, I'll go. And they're like, yeah, right, you And you remember what David said? This was so telling. David said, man, i watched my father's sheep for years. And you know what? I've been out there. There was a a bear that came. There was a lion that came. And you know what? I killed the bear. I killed the lion. You know what? Goliath will be just like one of those. Look what David was doing. If God was with me then, God will be with me now. I say this over and over and over again because we we are such... um, People who who have kind of lost track of what we've seen God do in our past. And I say this over and over again: that if you ever forget what God has done, you'll stop believing what God can do. Anchor your faith on what God has done. Give me, let me give you one more. Anchor your faith on God's powerful love. Anchor your faith on God's powerful love. hit me in the story this week, I read the story hundreds of times, never, never caught this before. The story is told in, in all four Gospels, Luke is the only writer who mentions the fact that this daughter was the only child of Jairus. And as Jesus is telling Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith, you, you can almost see the tears running down Jairus' face. You can almost feel his heart breaking. Why? This is his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, and she's dying. I mean, she's dead. And Jairus is, Jairus is breaking, breaking apart, and you can almost hear Jairus, you know, as Jesus is saying, have faith. You can almost hear Jairus thinking to himself, you have no idea how much I love this girl. She was my only child. You have no idea how much I loved her. But yet what Jairus didn't know is he was standing next to God's only child. He was standing next to the only child of God who was sent from heaven to earth to die on a cross for him. What Jairus didn't know, he may have thought Jesus didn't know how much he loved his daughter, but Jairus didn't know how much his heavenly father loved him. Jairus, I love you so much, I'm gonna give my son, I am offering my son in death for you. That's how great my love is. Yes, I love the passage of scripture from Psalm 117 too read it with me church for his unfailing love for us is is what? one more time it is powerful don't you ever forget that look at me here's what I can tell you for those of you who are in need of a miracle here's what often goes through your head because the enemy plants it there God has forgotten you You're not that important to him. Your need is just one of many. Maybe God doesn't even notice what you're up against. And you got to remember this. God's unfailing love for you is powerful. Amen. Amen? Don't let fear steal your faith. Let me give you one last thought this morning. Never put limits on what God can do. Never put limits on what God can do. J.B. Phillips wrote a book many years ago that every one of us probably need to read once a year. It's called Your God is Too Small. (laughs) Your God is Too Small. And he was right on. Isn't it funny how in our theology, we believe that God can do this, but he can't do that. God can fix some problems, but he can't fix problems that are this big. God can heal, but he really can't raise from the dead. That was what was going through Jairus' mind. We put all kinds of limits on God. And can I tell you something? God is always bigger than we imagine. You know, it was so funny um, yesterday. How many of you in here helped out in our carnival yesterday? Can I actually see your hands? Give these people a round of applause, would you? I'm sure. You guys, are, you guys are heroes. You are absolute heroes. Now, I, I, wanna, I want you to help. Even, even your staff are sometimes weak in our faith. When we sat down some weeks ago and started thinking about the, the carnival yesterday and Easter weekend, we started thinking, well, how many people are gonna come to the carnival? And we we kind of started saying, well, you know, maybe, you know, what, what if we get, you know, people still aren't getting out as much, maybe 200, and we said, now we wanna make sure we plan for more. We, maybe we better plan for 300. And then we said, you know what? let's, 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 let's just move it up. Let's plan for 400. And so we had 400 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. We had cotton candy for, we had all of this stuff and we had it laid out. Do you know, we were out of Chick-fil-A sandwiches 45 minutes after we opened up. I mean, I kid you not, I was out there, and it was like quarter to 11, nobody's here, and we're, you know, finishing getting everything shut up, and I saw one family show up that I didn't recognize, and they're sitting in their car waiting, and 11 o'clock, I'm telling you folks, it was like the floodgates opened, and this herd of people just started coming in, and I'm looking at these people, and I told Sarah, I said, I'll bet the first 100 and 150 people walked up, I had, I did not know a single one of them. I said, you know, we didn't know, we didn't didn't do mass advertising, we didn't put this into paper, we didn't announce it over the radio, we didn't say anything on television, and and these these people just kept coming and coming and coming, and we're going, man, we of little faith, you know? We're back there scrambling, making extra baskets, and, and it was an incredible day, and it was a wonderful day, but one of the things when we sit down to do our after action on Tuesday is is to, hey, we got we to stop thinking just about what we want to do in a carnival. We got to remember how big God is. Because we, we, we put God in these boxes of what he can do and what he can't do. And God is always bigger than that. One of my favorite experiences was eight years ago. This next month. Some of you remember in May 20, 2013, we had a F5 tornado that came through and did such incredible damage here and more. And we had a, a strategic place here, being that close to the damage as a church, to be able to minister not just to several families in our church that were hurt and hit by this, but families in our community that were hurt. And It was interesting as we began to reach out to the community, and we began to partner with the YMCA and say, hey, we're here to help people. And people from around the country had started sending money in and said, hey, we want you to help families who need help. And, and uh, we were doing it every day. It was just an amazing thing to me. Uh, I watched God work over and over and over again. I'll never forget one day uh, I gave out almost $20,000 to people who came in needing various kinds of help that the Red Cross. cross wouldn't help with, and there was no other assistance for, and uh, we knew them, or we knew about their situation, and I'll never forget that night, getting on Facebook and say, today I felt like Santa Claus, you know, I just was able to just come alongside of so many people, because of the generosity of others, the very next day, had a man come from Pennsylvania, who uh, was actually uh, Lisa Ward, who was running our kitchen during that time, it was her her, uh, stepfather, who came, and he runs a business there, CPA, and they called Me back to the kitchen. They said, "Pastor Steve." He said, "He goes. We. um," i was asked holding my businesses that I'm I'm their CPA. What had happened?" And he said, "So we we took up a little collection for you." And he handed me this envelope, this wad of money in this envelope. And I said, "Thank you so much." And I gave him a hug. He said, "Be careful with that. There's twenty thousand dollars in that." And And I and I went back to the office and I just cried. I said, "God, you just gave me back everything we gave away yesterday." To keep blessing people. My favorite story, though, was a woman named Robin. She was a teacher at Briarwood Elementary, and you remember that Briarwood was one of the schools that got hit. And we helped several families from there, and we helped several teachers from there. But Robin came, and I said, "Well, how can we help you?" And I said. she said well I've got uh, two girls and she goes I need, I need to get some clothes for them uh, she goes we lost everything she said, I need to get some clothes for them I need to get some food uh, can you help us with that and I said certainly and so we had uh, hundreds of dollars worth of Walmart cards and things and I said how about if I give you this much this much for clothes and I give you this much for food you know would that, would that get you where you need to go and she said that would be such a blessing you guys are just amazing and she was so incredibly thankful and I said well is there anything else I can do for you (laughs) and Robin said no you guys have been more than gracious I just I can't I just can't thank you enough and then she sat back in her chair and she she she's just overwhelmed and she goes now all I got to do is figure out figure out my car and I'm good to go and I said, figure out your car. And she said, yeah. She said, you know what? After the tornado, when we came out, all the teachers came out uh, out of Briarwood, she said, we were so excited because somebody had moved our cars for us. We thought well, they might got damaged. And she we didn't realize that the tornado had actually scooped up all of our cars and wadded them into a big ball and threw it in the field. And she said, I, had a, I just had a used car, but she goes, I've, I've just got to figure out transportation now. But you got, again, you guys have been more than generous. And, and I said, wait a minute, Robin, before you go, I said, you, so you're going to have to buy a used car? And she said, yeah. She goes, do you have money for that? She said, well, not really, but I'll, I'll figure it out. And I said, well, how about this? I said, what if I could give you $5,000 toward a, a used car? And this woman looked at me, and I'll never forget. She looked at me and she said, you can't do that. And I smiled and I said, no, that's one of the really great things about being me today. I can. And she goes, you can do that. And I said, Robin, if your brother will help you find a used car, I said, if you will give me the name of whatever company you're buying from, I said, I will write a check for $5,000 to that, that, that car place so that you'll be able to afford a used car. And I'll never forget Robert said up, she she hugged me and she just sobbed on my shoulder. And she goes, I just can't believe this. I just can't believe this. I just can't believe this. You see, Robin had no idea the resources. We had over $200,000 that had been given to us over the course of that year to help people just like Robin. She had no idea of the resources that were available to her if she would just ask. Look at me. And let me tell you something. God has multiple times resources than we have. Don't ever put a limit on God. Don't ever think that God can do just this or just this or just this, because He can do this. There is no limit to what God can do for you. I love what Jeremiah 32:17 says says, oh, "O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Read it with me. Nothing is too hard for you." This is my verse for you today. I will also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This same is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Did you hear that? Pastor Steve, why can you tell me that there is miraculous hope for me? Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is here today for you. And I don't know what miracle you need. But I know our God is able. And today I just want to pray. And I want to ask the God who raised his son from the dead to stretch out his hand of power to you today. I don't care what kind of predicament you're in. I don't care what kind of need that you have. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And before I pray, I want to say just a, a quick word to those of you who may not know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior today. Because what you need to know is that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die for you. You don't have to live the way that you've been living. You don't have to keep going in the direction that you've been going. God allows U-turns. And today, that same resurrection power who can work miracles is the same power that can forgive you of your past and give you a brand new future starting today. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation and the old is gone. And behold, all things become new. And so today, if you need to take that step of faith, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I wanna just challenge you right now, take just a moment, invite him in, say, Lord, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me. I need you to lead me. And you'll hear Jesus just say these words, follow me. Follow me. And he'll take you where you want to go. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we come before you, how we thank you for your amazing grace. A grace that is willing to erase our past, a grace that is willing to give us a brand new future, a grace that can change us no matter where we are. And Father, I pray today that you would help everyone in the sound of my voice to understand that. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what they've done, doesn't matter how long they've been there. You can change each and every one of us through the power of your resurrection. And so today, Lord, as people open their hearts to you, I pray that you will meet them right where they are that you'll wrap your arms of love around them, that they will know today that they were the reason why you came from heaven to earth. You did this for them. And Father, I know that there are people today, they need a miracle. For some of them, their need is for physical healing. For some of them, their need is financial. For some of them, it's their marriage, Lord, that's not gonna make it unless you intervene with your hand. For some of them, Father, it's an addiction that they can't break. And Lord, your hands are strong enough to break those chains. For some of them, Lord, they, they there's a, an issue that they can't get past. For some of them, it's a job that they need. You know each and every one. You know what kind of miracle. You know how small. You know how big. But nothing, Lord, is too hard for you. And so today, Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would breathe in to each and every person, a fresh new breath of life. I pray that you would breathe in your miraculous hope to them. Father, we love you today. Jairus knew how much he loved his daughter, but he had no idea how much you loved him. And Father, sometimes that's how we are. And I pray today, Lord, as you wrap your arms around each one here, that they would know today, your love has no limits, your love has no depth, and your love has no end. Lord, we love you today. Thank you that you are our miraculous hope. And it's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.